kids, we got an awesome show for you. We got some NFL picks for you, some college picks for you. It's going to be a good one. So let's go. And welcome to Kids, presented by Bad News Media. It is September 27th, and we got ourselves a football week this weekend. Not the best slate of games, I'll say, compared to last weekend, but not a bad slate. Not a bad slate. How are we doing today, Tim? Not a bad slate. It is better than the last time we recorded, um, which actually ended up turning out to be a pretty good uh, yeah. slate of games. Pretty interesting games, but uh, but uh, doing all right. How about yourself? Oh, not doing too bad. It's been a hit or miss for a couple of weeks. We're trying to get back into a schedule with this, so we're going to be more consistent, guys. We're going to get our shows back in order, get the degenerate report out. I know how much we've been missing that, given we went 68% last year, but we got some picks for you this week, but before we do that, Got to get your thoughts on two things. First, wow. Michigan. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> the rumor mill is spinning. I don't think there's too much weight to the rumor. But the Urban Meyer uh, talks have been making their rounds. Hardball on now officially on the hot seat after taking an absolute shellacking to Wisconsin uh, last week. I mean, that might be the most embarrassing loss Michigan has had. Since the App State loss. I mean, at least the state App, it, App State loss was... I don't know which one I would rather have. I'd rather have the App Wisconsin State loss. Was bad. This one yeah. was, this one was this really bad. bad. This, one looked, this one looked demoralizing, and it was their sa- the end of their savior, essentially. Yeah, I mean... And there's nowhere to turn from here, pretty much, going out. Wisconsin looked like a... a a freaking uh, playoff team, to be honest. Like, one of the most dominant teams out there against a Michigan team who everybody, I think for the most part, thought was going to be pretty competitive this year and has turned out to be an absolute dud, especially offensively. Um, the defense has not been very good. It's just, it's a bad situation up in Ann Arbor that I did not foresee coming. I thought it wouldn't, I thought there was a chance that they wouldn't win that game, but I didn't think it was going to be bully ball up and down the field on both defense and offense. I didn't expect things to unravel like this. Now, granted, I expected it to be a typical Michigan season where they went uh, where they where they went ten and two, and two of their losses were against the big dogs, uh, whether that be Michigan State, Wisconsin. Um, actually, Wisconsin wasn't even in my realm of thinking at the beginning of the season. It was either going to be Michigan State, Ohio State, or Notre Dame. They were gonna they were gonna go uh, one and two against those teams. Now, ooh. I mean, they just look like they don't want to play for Harbaugh anymore either. Yeah, and it also just looked like it, it was weird because Harbaugh has had these games where it does look like he's just been completely um, unprepared. Ohio State game last year, for example, where Ohio State just absolutely thrashed them. But to have it this early in the season against a team in Wisconsin who you know what they're going to give you. They're going to give you a strong run game, and they're going to give you a strong defensive front. It's not that hard to game plan against them, and Michigan just couldn't get anything going, which normal logic would say your season isn't over yet. You still can play the upset role. You still got Notre Dame on the schedule. You still got Ohio State on the schedule. So if you win those two games, you'll win out. You might have a chance to play in the Big Ten Championship, and you could still potentially play yourself into the playoff depending on how things unfold. But this team doesn't even look like they're going to be able to compete in those games. I mean, it looks like the rest of their season, I think, think they might blow out Rutgers because they typically do that, but at no point am I confident to say that any game this year, this the rest of the season, even the Rutgers game coming up this week, do they look like a team that could run away with a game or even close out a close game? So 
Michigan does not look like they're in a position. And to be frank, I think their season is done unless there's some huge change offensively and things start to roll. No, I think their season's done too. I mean, one of the biggest things is Wisconsin. You know what you're going to get from them. They're going to run the ball up the middle. Now they do have the greatest running back in college football right now in Jonathan Taylor. (laughs) But you know what they're going to do. You know they're going to run the ball up the middle. And Michigan, like, didn't even care to stop them. No, they just, they flat out looked like they didn't want to be there. As you said, they didn't want to play for hardball. They just lacked effort. There's a there's a difference in losing with effort, and, a diff- and you can see it, and a difference of just getting absolutely, from the moment you get off the bus, not feeling like that team wants to be there, and that was Michigan, which is odd, especially with, I haven't gotten that feeling from Michigan in the hardball era. This is the first time where I can definitely say it wasn't so much they were just in every asset of the game, they got beat. They got beat in the effort asset. They got beat in the preparedness asset. They got beat in the execution. They got beat at every single position. I mean, there isn't a single takeaway that you can say is positive for the Michigan Wolverines. No, and it is crazy, too. There are some rumblings up in the Michigan media, and it kind of looked like that during the game, now looking back on it. But the, the whole Shea Patterson transfer and being promised a job has kind of caused some fracture in the in the locker room because, I mean, you had him getting beat up all game and not a single offensive lineman was around him to pick him up after a hit, which is just unheard of. And so there was some rumblings at, at Ole Miss that people didn't like him. Now there's rumblings at Michigan that people don't like him and him and Harbaugh promising Shea Patterson a job to come up there because that's the only way he's going to get him up here. Let's be honest. I mean, it's pretty obvious for that. Um, but but that's one of the things that could have caused him to lose the locker room. And even just watching that uh, that Amazon series from Michigan last year, it is oh, yeah. night and day the difference between John Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh. Even like a, a even like a ten minute conversation pregame prep talk pep talk. It is night and day. He just looks like he has lost his mind. He looks like he's dazed and confused and doesn't really know where to turn from here. Yeah, he looks like a man who's defeated. Like, he honestly, like, his brain has been broken. Like, Michigan has broken his brain, and he looks defeated. Um, To kind of quickly circle back on the Shea Patterson thing, I'm going to say hands up on that one. I bought into the Shea Magic hype early. When he (laughs) transferred up to Michigan, I did think he was going to be the game changer because I thought at Ole Miss – he showed real big flashes of, oh, this is the guy and the reason he was such a high recruit out of high school and all the talent. It's just he has no team around him. He has no coaching structure to really make him blossom. And I thought going into Michigan with the talent they had been building in that pipeline, the coaching they had, I thought he was going to be good. I'm with you. In hindsight, and hindsight is 2020, it does not look like that was the right move. Now, Michigan prior to Shea Patterson and even in the Shea Patterson era, their number one critique as we – it doesn't take that long to look back, was the quarterback position. The Michigan team was good in every other asset of the game, but they just couldn't throw the ball before Shea Patterson got there. And so the hype was real when you get this guy who's a top high school recruit who shows flashes of being good, comes in, you're going, okay, he's the answer, and he hasn't been the answer. And I think sticking with him and not opening, as you said, a quarterback, a true quarterback competition and having it really be open has probably been super detrimental to this Michigan team. And when we look back at the end of the season – not giving McCaffrey a start, who I know he got hurt um, at the end of that game, and Shea Patterson came in and did put up some points on the board. Not giving that true competition, I think, either didn't motivate Shea Patterson the way he needed to be motivated because he did look a little different when he came back in after being benched, 
And we didn't, it doesn't seem like the team ever really rallied around a certain guy. And so I think that is, you're right in the analysis there, that that is super detrimental. Under the hardball fact, I don't know what you do. I, coming into this game, I was saying you can't do better than hardball at Michigan. And I still sort of believe that. I think Michigan is one of those programs, sort of like Notre Dame, where their prime is past them. They're not going to really compete in the new age of football. They're going to have sparks here and there where they, they look good. But overall, these teams that had really historic runs in the past are not going to be the dominant programs they are today. I think Michigan has a little bit of a better chance because they play in a super competitive market. They play in a super competitive um, conference, I meant. And they can still get some better recruits than I think Notre Dame's going to be doing um, in schools like that. But I don't know where you go with the hardball thing. I don't think Urban's going to go to Michigan. That would be wild if he goes, takes a year off from Ohio State and then goes to Michigan. That's why I don't think that's a possibility. But I just, looking at the coaching landscape, I don't know where you go if you do follow hardball. But I don't. if this season becomes a total loss, I don't know how you also keep them. The funny thing is is that it Jim Harbaugh is on, a, on the hot seat from a national level. But if I check the newspapers up here in Michigan, not too many people are criticizing Jim Harbaugh. They think, like, they're just ready to ride this out. That's a good point because I don't have my – I'm down in Cincinnati. I don't have the pulse on the Michigan. It could be one of those situations kind of like with uh, Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State where it's just like, hey, we're good with this. Whatever this product is every year, we're okay with it as long as it's not a complete – because I think if you get to the end of the season and they just completely lose out, I think that narrative might change. But I, it could be a very much like a Mike Gundy situation where you just have a job for life no matter what. Like, Gundy's never leaving. Gundy is Oklahoma State at this point. And Harbaugh might be, and you'll have a better tap into this, he might just be Michigan at this point. And this is what you're going to get, and you're going to be okay with kind of being mediocre to having flashpoints like last year where you're right on the cusp. And we're back. And we're back here. <laughs> just the timer, no smoke alarm. All right, it was just the time. Where we left off, we are back now, cutting back in. We've got a little cooking issue going on there. There's no cooking issue. I just set a timer and it went off. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> Anyways, back to Harbaugh. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I do think some of the boosters up here, which is exactly who controls Michigan, will be just fine with Jim Harbaugh doing whatever Jim Harbaugh wants, whatever he wants. But Jim Harbaugh does not look like a man who is happy at Michigan right now just because he looks lost. He doesn't like losing. No coach can like losing. So I could see where he ends up taking a year off, per se, and then going back to the NFL and kind of making that his motivation to, to change. Um, but he looks lost up here at Michigan right now. Yeah, I'd agree. I think I think in theory he thought this was going to be a great idea, but coming back from the NFL, or I think he's more of a natural fit, he realized, oh, wait. But this is where he went to school. He has a legacy there. He's this. He's, family's probably just getting settled and having a nice time up there and not having to move around a lot. There is sort of this guaranteed job. But I'm with you. I think at this point he cannot keep up with the new era of college. He can do recruiting. He's done a good job of recruiting, but he can't keep up with the schemes and the planning and everything that comes with being a college coach. And I think the NFL is much more the natural fit for him. And I do agree with you that he well, will make that move. 
Well, I do think he also thought it was going to be a lot easier. I thought he he, <laughs> he thought he was going to treat college like free agency, where he just gets the best players at all at all times. He can just turn them up. Turn them over, chew them up, spit them out, however you wanted to, and you can see it's kind of taken a toll on some of these players. Yeah, his style I think does not go well with this new kind of era of college kid, and it just it's not it's also not the Pac-12 where he can just bully ball the Pac-12. He's in a conference where his style does not dominate like it did in the Pac-12 because there's just a mismatch in complete style um, where he could just bully teams because they were small up front or they were built for speed, where he was built for more just destroying your soul at Stanford. Because um, they were just a little, they were just bigger, they were meaner, they could run the ball on you at will almost. They had good quarterback play, and they had a defense that could beat up kind of Pac-12 offenses. Not well, really let, working. It's a different well, style. I was going to say, let's be honest, though. The Pac-12 is the Pac-12. I mean, we're not, they are a power five, but they're not. I mean, just, yeah. just watch it. <laughs> Well, I've got some thoughts on the Pac-12 here because i got a couple bets in the Pac-12 this week. But with that, it's a good transfer to get to our picks, I think, because <laughs> that is why the people tune in for our, th- our Friday show. It is our picks. So we'll start right off the bat. Pac-12. No conference is better at eating itself alive than the Pac-12. I mean, <laughs> man, do they just, at the moment where they become relevant again, their top teams just absolute bottom out. And if you don't know where I'm going with this, I don't know what you've been doing for the last week here. But... <laughs> Washington State, Utah. <laughs> Washington State. It is a plus six for them. I actually like Washington State in this game. The, but the reason I'm bringing this up, for those of you who are not aware, Washington State gave up a 50-burger in the second half to UCLA. Not a 50-burger. They allowed 50 points up in the second half to UCLA. They blew a 38-point lead in the third. But that's exactly why I like them. Because Utah, who also... Just got cannibalized by USC. A third-string quarterback, by the way, came in, threw a bunch of jump balls to go for his players to go make a play. They made a play. Utah did not. Utah got banged up in all the wrong places. The running back, Moss, we don't know if he'll actually go this week. He's banged up. The quarterback got banged up. He is going to play but is injured. I like Washington State here as far as it's a plus six. I don't know if they're necessarily going to uh, win, but Utah showed – that their pass defense is trash against USC. A third-string quarterback came up and beat them. I like Washington State to come back here strong because they got embarrassed on a national scale, and I mean really embarrassed. Like I haven't seen an embarrassing loss like that. I just said the Wisconsin-Michigan game, but like in-game like where you're like, oh, this is over, I'm switching over, and then all of a sudden my bet gets blown up because I did take Washington State against UCLA last week and going, what the fuck happened last night? Um so, yeah, I like Washington six plus, Washington State plus six in this game against a banged-up Utah on offense and a really bad secondary in the Utah defense. Well, in that case, I don't hate that bet, I guess, once you explained it so eloquently. <laughs> However, I'm going to stay away from that game because you never know yeah. what Mike yes. Leach is going to do. You <laughs> never know. <laughs> I'm talking personal life. I'm talking in front of reporters. I'm talking in football. Um, you never know what he's going to do. So I, I will stay. Be a real good fit, right? <laughs> he would be great. I would love it up here. Although we do have my perfect coach for Michigan right now, because if you told me when they hired Jim Harbaugh that this would be happening at Michigan, I could have not envisioned a more perfect scenario for a Michigan State fan. 
I mean, everybody thought they'd have ch- national championships right now. We're Correct. playing for them. <laughs> Correct. So, with that being said, going back to our picks, I'm going to stay in the Pac-12. I'm going to do something that you did a little bit earlier, and I'm going to find dead programs. And then I'm also going to pair that with something that I always used to like to do, which is finding a home dog. Okay. I like that. Where you had with, with that, we're going Air, or Oregon State plus Ooh. four against Stanford. I think Stanford is a dead program. Oregon State is underdogs at home. That's all I have for that game. I'm going Oregon, <laughs> Oregon State plus four. Smith, sniffing the dead dog, dead program there. I like that. Yeah, Stanford is Stanford's in a rough spot. You don't have people going to the games because students don't care. You don't really have a product. I mean, Bryce Love was the last resemblance of a good player, I think, on that team. Like a really great like national mm-hmm. level player I'm talking about here. Not They do have good players. They, for whatever reason, seem to turn out tight ends like it's nobody's business. But on a national scale, that Bryce Love, I'm with you. Stanford, they're, they might be our dead dog. I mean, they are, they're up there in that dead program for sure. I don't know if I smell them just yet, but I'll give you that one if that ends up being true here in the future. <laughs> I'm staying in the Pac-12 for my next bet. Washington versus USC, number 21 USC. Washington is a 10-point favorite. Washington has bit me a couple times. But it's the quarterback situation at USC, why I like this pick. you got a banged-up second string who may not go because of his concussion. So you've got a third-string, inexperienced quarterback going against one of the nastier secondaries in the Pac-12. I like that. I like experience in good secondary versus inexperience in in USC, which I did like. I really started to like USC. I was like, this team is filled with some playmakers. They still have the playmakers, but I'm not as confident in the QB situation against a Washington, a Washington team who, quite frankly, for the last couple of years has produced really good defenses. I mean, like a couple of years ago, I think they had like, what was it, like 10 out of the 11 um, first-team Pac-12 defenders and like – they, they look very good in the secondary this year. The offense is a little shakier, not hugely confident, but I just think that that secondary is going to cause problems for an inexperienced USC quarterback. The 10 is a big point spread. I don't love it. I'd love it at like seven, um, but I'm going to take the 10. I'm going to risk it there. I just like the defense versus that matchup on, on USC's part. Uh, but I also think Clay, Hilt, Clay Hilt, Helton, jeez should get another year because I think that USC team is finally starting to turn the corner if they just didn't have such bad injury luck at the QB position because that team has shown some real flashes of being a good football team. It's just the quarterback situation is so shaky due to injury. I agree with everything you just said because I did start to like USC as well. Um, And the funny thing about Clay Helton is I thought he was another dead coach walking. I thought that's for sure where Urban Meyer's going. But he looks like he's turned it around and done a pretty damn good job with the exception of keeping his quarterback healthy, apparently. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's not. And I think if if you're a USC fan, you got to kind of just let go of the last couple years with Clayton because it is it does look like they're starting to turn the corner. And I think to just fire a coach now without unless you have the guarantee that Urban Meyer is coming. I think would be silly because they are that program is, I think, starting to turn the corner because they have some real like athletes that you used to see at USC. If they could just get that quarterback position healthy, they'd be real. In the backup, uh, Matt Flink, Fink played well. Like he played really well up until he got hurt. Like he he looks good. I don't know what the third string's gonna look good. like. He played good against Utah, but he also threw a lot of 
50-50 balls, jump okay. city, let's go make a play. So against this secondary, you're not going to have that opportunity. Yeah, As- that the, the backup did look good, but the third string, uh, who knows? Um, you can only go so far with your quarterbacks. Um, so with my next pick, I am going to give you a little teaser on a Friday night game. Oh, okay. I love Maryland. Okay. I love Maryland as a six and a half point dog. Like I said earlier, um, let me let me double check this. But they <laughs> are at home. Oh, definitely at home. I don't know why I even needed to check this. They're a six and a half point dog at home. They're doing a blackout. They canceled Friday classes. All of Maryland. It is going to be a rowdy stadium. Maryland in their past two games against Penn State have gotten blown out 104 to 6. <laughs> now, if that doesn't give their head coach a talking point, I don't know what does. If that doesn't rile you up as a player, I also don't know what does. Um, they've looked good so far, with the exception of the last game. Yeah. That was Temple. Little rivalry. Uh, I think they, they, they got a little in their head, probably. And they're going to come back and they're going to go back to what they were doing earlier in the year. Um, the other thing Penn, the other thing to look at, Penn State's third-town conversion rate is only 23%. I don't think Ooh. Penn State is that good of a team. That's another reason to go with Maryland. Yeah. They're laying six. They're getting six and a half points. Um, that, that's mainly my reasoning for going Maryland. All right. I like that. I don't hate that. I don't hate that. Um, I, I like the Maryland team. I, I'm with you on the Penn State. Penn State, not not as good as I thought they were going to be this year. I thought they were going to be a little bit better of a football team, so I don't don't hate that pick. I got a potential upset for you to watch out for here, but I'm not guaranteeing the upset, but I am having them as my pick of the week. UVA versus Notre Dame. They are a 12.5-point underdog UVA. In their last 16 games against a team with a winning record, they are 13-3 and against the spread. They are very good up front on their front seven. Bryce Perkins, the QB, is a playmaker. They don't have a lot on offense. So I also like the under here because the under's at 51. It's been rising, which I don't really understand because um, I think they have, like, in the that chaos metric, they're, like, a top 15 team, UVA. Like, they, they create a lot of chaos. I think uh, Ian's going to have some problems against that defense. Bryce Perkins is going to make a play here or there that I think is going to allow them to stay within this 12-and-a-half-point spread. The reason I'm saying this might even be an upset is because I think Notre Dame, is a little, they're getting a little too much positive feedback from that Georgia game, which they lost, but people were treating it as if it was a win because they just didn't get the snot kicked out of them by an SEC team like they normally do. So I don't know, I don't know what the mentality of that Notre Dame team is, I think this could be an under-the-radar because you look at UVA, you go, how are they 18? That's not a football school. It's a basketball school. Like, they're not recruiting the best, but they have a sneakily good defense that is flying under the radar, especially up front front seven. So I like the under at 51, but I also like the 12-and-a-half. I think there's a chance they might win this game. I think it's a small chance. It's all going to rely on whether or not the defense can really hold up against a top-notch offense like uh, Notre Dame has shown, but Notre Dame has also shown that they've had some ball security issues, which I like the chaos metric there for UVA in their favor, because if they can keep it close, I think Bryce Perkins will make a play or two at quarterback. He's got 843 passing yards, 193 rushing yards, and eight total touchdowns on the season right now. 
I think he'll make a play or two where they could really have a chance here at Notre Dame to shock the world, and they bring their game when they're going up against teams that are much superior than them the last couple of years. UVA has been a sneakily good pick the last couple of years, as I just gave you that stat. Six, they are 13-3 and three against the spread when they are playing a team with a winning record in the last 16 games. I like UVA here. Not bad. I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. Yes, sir. Uh, I have UVA has been kind to me this year. I mean, they did. They did have, and people are going to look at. They're going to go. Wait a minute, Hill. They struggled against ODU. They were down like seventeen, um, nothing in like the first half. But then that second half, they came back and they tore it up. And I think they learned a lesson that they got to come prepared. And I think they will come prepared. And I think Notre Dame might be a little ahead of themselves because they just didn't get the snot kicked out of them by Georgia. <laughs> I don't hate that. All right, I'm going to move on to my over-under of the week. Um, I'm looking at the Clemson-North Carolina game simply because I do think – usually what I do when when I think Clemson's going to have a close game, I just take the over. I don't even look at the (laughs) point spread. I don't even try to to worry about the – making sure Clemson covers. I only take the over. So I'm going to take the over in this Clemson game. It's a 27-point spread. The total is 60 and a half. Um, so I'm going to go with the over 60 and a half here because of the 27 point spread, because I do kind of think North Carolina might be able to put up some bit of a fight against Clemson and make them score more, more points and open the game up. Um, so whenever I think there could possibly be a close game on a large spread, I go with the Clemson over. So that's why I'm going. Interesting. You have a lot more faith in UNC than I do because I think they stick. But there's a good chance that Clemson will put up 50 points, so then you only really need them to not do a whole lot. Second stringer points is backdoor. Backdoor cover on the uh, over, I think, is going to be your friend there. Um, <laughs> all right, that's good. I got a couple ones that I'm just going to quickly give out because we've kind of hit our, our big ones. Um, I like ODU versus East Carolina, minus three. ODU has been playing some good football. Like I said, they were up against UVA at halftime last week. They played uh, Virginia Tech close to their spread. I like the minus three against East Carolina. I also like Auburn versus Mississippi State. Auburn is a 10.5-point favorite. They looked good in their Texas A&M game at Texas A&M. I know the, the, they didn't blow the barn doors off them, but Texas A&M, that is a hard game to go in. They looked better against Texas A&M, then against Texas A&M, then Clemson looked like at uh, Texas A&M, I think. Um, the quarter, Auburn has not been, I think, as shocked the world as they were in that Oregon game. The QB situation at Mississippi State also gives me faith in that Auburn pick. I like Auburn at also minus 10.5, and, and those are really all the picks I have for college this week. I'll throw out one more, my last one. Alabama minus 37.5. Ole Miss always lays down at Alabama. Even though it's a lot of points, Ole Miss still always lays down at Alabama. That's simple. All right. Yeah. That's that is also very very true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of points. It's not it's yeah. not something I'm super confident in at that high number. But uh, but I just know that they always lay down. So well, why not take it? It's fair, and it, they haven't given us any re- any reason not to think they won't repeat history and lay down again. Mm-hmm. Uh, College board's interesting this weekend. I like it the more I talked about it. I talked myself into really liking this board <laughs> through this. Oh, you know what? I, I came into this weekend not liking it as much. Yep. I talked myself into one more, and that's a it's a team favorite of mine, uh, the Toledo Rockets. Uh, the Toledo Rockets are getting two points at home. BYU has to travel across the country to the great glass bowl of Toledo. 
Um, they're coming to Toledo after playing um, after playing against Washington, USC, Tennessee. They've just gone through the grinder. I think they start off the year hot. I don't think they. I think they fizzle off, and I do think Toledo will be able to cover that two points. Look for them to win. They're playing at home. Fair enough. All right, I'll take I'll take your word on that. Um, shall we do a little NFL here? Because I got a couple. I got a couple we games can go that through I through the NFL. Yes, I don't understand to be honest. And it starts off with New England at Buffalo. This is only a minus seven spread right now. New England is only favored by a touchdown. I don't understand that number because I don't know if Buffalo is actually good. The only teams they've played are the Jets, who stink. They're the they might as well be called the New York Bells because that's all they got going for them. You got the Giants. They beat the Giant. They beat the Jets by one point. Then they beat the Giants by fourteen. But that was an Eli Manning Giant. That should have. They should have blown the dark bar doors off them. And then they only beat the Bengals by four. So like, yeah, the defense has looked good, and the like they look like a good team, but they haven't really played anybody. And the Patriots' defense is ungodly. Um, and the offense. I know Edelman's hurt. But I'm sorry. I think New England's still going to be just fine. I can't believe they are a touchdown favorite. Am I crazy for thinking that? No, I don't think you're crazy for thinking that. The only thing is that, um, is well, you're right. Buffalo hasn't really played anybody. Yeah, like I, the defenses looked good, but they're playing. They played the Jets, who are only Bell, and they've played the Giants and Eli Manning Giants, which look terrible. And then Cincinnati, who has played well against the Buffalo Bills, but, like, I don't really – I can't really judge it off those three games. And New England has looked a lot better. I know they haven't played insane talent either. Uh, but Tom Brady versus Bu- going into Buffalo and beating the crap out of them is, like, I don't know, getting drunk on Oktoberfest. It's happening every year. Like, it's just a thing that works like clockwork at this point. Like, that's all I got for you. I, so I can't imagine that that game is going to be less than a seven-point spread. The only thing I can think of is that there are there there's always at least one game a year at the beginning of the year where New England just lays down unexpectedly. That's true. And that could be this one, and that's why they're laying that seven only only favoring them by seven points. Is they could be indicating that you might want to sprinkle a little bit of Buffalo on the money line. I'm taking New England. I'm taking my path. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, right. you don't you don't make any money betting against New England. Yeah, that I will is... not. I will keep saying that, but that's the only thing that I can think of as far as a reason to why they would put this as a seven point spread. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, what you got? You got anything off off the top there that that you like? I don't really have anything that I like here in the NFL. Um, I there's another game. I that can I... never feel like I predict the NFL. Oh, see, college I've been I've been bad on this year so far. I know it's going to turn around. I always go through a stretch with college where I don't really start hitting things, and then I get going. NFL's been keeping me afloat and doing well. They are going to be most of my degenerate uh, picks on the degenerate report. But the Cleveland Brown Baltimore minus seven, I also don't understand that because Cleveland has been super dysfunctional. Um, I'm not panicking yet if you're a Cleveland fan because a lot of this is growing pains, but – Freddie Kitchens would concern me as a rookie head coach. That offensive line is terrible, and he does not seem to be playing calls to at least try to mitigate that issue. And Baltimore has looked really good. So I like Baltimore minus seven. I don't think Cleveland's going to – I don't think that's the game where they all of a sudden kind of start clicking. 
um, against this Baltimore team. So I kind of like Baltimore at seven there. You like Baltimore at seven? I I don't know. They, right. These games are always really close. Yeah, but the Browns, Freddie Kitchen not knowing what he's doing at the end of that game last week gives me zero faith that they're going to go in against hardball in that Ravens team, which has been clicking. And, yeah, they got off to a, a slow start against Kansas City, but they did turn that around. Outside of that, they've been firing really well. I just I don't see Cleveland all of a sudden picking up this week. Like, I don't see them making a giant stride, and their problems are simple. Their offensive line is trash. They call plays that take too long to develop. Freddie Kitchens is not playing, uh, calling a game that is advantageous towards his offense. The defense is good, but they still let up points, and uh, Lamar Jackson is killing it right now. So seven's a big number in the NFL for me, especially for a game like this, but I just I don't have any faith in the Browns in the product I've seen so far. Now, that's not to say panic just yet because it is the NFL and we're not that far into the season yet, only in week four. <laughs> but I just don't think they turn it around this week and all of a sudden things start clicking to where they're they're competing with the Ravens within a seven-point spread. So I was trying to play devil's advocate there, but um, I do agree you with you. Now. Yeah. You talked me into <laughs> it big time because— right. Just like how I said the New England seven-point spread only makes sense for them indicating that Buffalo could keep it close, uh, a seven-point spread in a Baltimore-Cleveland game can legitimately only indicate that they expect Baltimore to blow this game out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, yeah, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, taking, I'm, taking, I'm taking the Ravens. I'll do a little bit more work. I'll put a little bit more elegance into the Jenner report, but I'm taking the Ravens. Tell me about your, your uh, Lions here. What are we – why are uh, – why are they a seven-point spread against Kansas City, and are they actually good? I'm undecided. This is my <laughs> show-me game for them uh, yeah. because they haven't looked good. They looked really good at the start of the Arizona game and then just absolutely blew it at, at the end. They just let Kyler Murray come back in his rookie game, his very first game, and for no reason. Um, still upset about that game. And then the Chargers didn't look that good. The Chargers are not good. And the Lions didn't look that good in that game. They ended up pulling it out. And then last week, I mean, they almost lost that game to an Eagles team that, well, couldn't catch a ball. <clears throat> so, uh, yes, they, they, they looked okay. They didn't look overly impressive. So... I'm surprised with only a six and a half point spread still. Um, they are at home, but the six and a half point spread um, kind of gives me hope. And it, you're going to hear that that I really just try and look into what the spread's telling me for the NFL. Um, so the six and a half point spread gives me hope for the Lions to keep it close. Yeah, but I, I don't, don't expect I don't. them to. I'd agree with this is the show me game. Show me, are you good? There's a couple out there this week for that. I'll be paying attention to the Lions here because I don't know if they're good. Um, the record indicates that they're good, but <laughs> the game but their play doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> yeah, the, the play is a little shaky. The one other game I'll, I'll bring up before we wrap this up is also kind of my show me game, and that's the Dallas Cowboys versus New Orleans. I think the Dallas Cowboys are good, but I, I can't really base that off anybody thing because they played the Giants, Eli Manning Giants week one, the Redskins, which are probably the most dysfunctional team in the NFL besides my Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then they played the Dolphins. So, like, I think they're good. Now, they are playing a, a Drew Brees-less 
New Orleans Saints, but Teddy Bridgewater is certainly a capable quarterback. So I think this will be the game where we can really start to see, are the Cowboys as good as we think they are? Because to me, the Cowboys look really good. I mean, really, they're winning this division, and they've got a real shot at the Super Bowl if this play continues. But this is the show-me game. Is that theory correct? It's a minus-three spread. Um, I do like Dallas. I think I'm going to take Dallas because I, I have a little bit more faith in them. But it's going to be tough. It's in the Dome, in New Orleans. New Orleans is a good football team. They're a well-coached football team. But I, I just think the way that offense is playing, yes, it hasn't been against the greatest teams. I think they probably squeak this one out, uh, and they do win this game, and they show us that they are actually a good football team. See, this one, I didn't expect this much out of uh, Dak and Amari Cooper to start off the season. But Dak and Amari Cooper look like they are just pissed off at Jerry Jones for paying yes. Zeke the money that they paid him. <laughs> they look yes. like they are ready to to tear something up because it is incredible the way they've been playing. Um, however, I do think new Orleans could stop them here. I do think Teddy Bridgewater settles down, settles into the gig and um, starts to look like he's something. He, yeah. he returns to his white gloves. He returns to the, the old Teddy Bridgewater that we saw in, uh, in Minnesota that looked ridiculous with those huge white gloves on. Um, yes. And he starts zinging the ball all over the place again. So I do like New Orleans here. I do think Dallas has looked great, but as you said, they haven't played anybody. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's, it's – I'll put it at 55-45 kind of split where I'm, <laughs> I'm leaning a little bit more Dallas, but I could easily see that because it's in the dome where it doesn't go that way. So I'll give it about a 55-45 on my on decision. I'm not super confident. That's why this is my show-me game of the week where I need Dallas to really show me something, but you hit it right on the head. Dak and Amari are looking unstoppable almost. You got Zeke who's coming back to form. You got that offensive line. You got a defense that is very or is good in the Cowboys. So show me something. We'll see what happens. Um, that'll do it for us. Those are our picks. Look out for the general report dropping this Saturday morning. Eh, maybe Friday night. We'll see. You got to be paying attention. Um, <laughs> but that'll wrap it up for us this week. So peace. Peace. Oh,